Welcome to Men Are Nuts, a podcast about mental health, emotional health, psychological health, physical health, awareness in men, women and society. First, it started with MAN, the acronym for Men Are Nuts. And we have a very special guest on the show for you today. Um, it's been a while since we spoke. We've been back and forth on Instagram and and chatting away. But um, let's 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 hear it from our guests. Introduce yourself. Hi, it's Lauren again. Lauren again, is that you? Here to chat again. Lauren again. Now, now. How how are you, Lauren again? I'm I'm doing good. I'm okay. Yeah. So tell tell the tell the listeners just a little bit about you know what would you know because they have, some of them might not have listened to the the first mm-hmm. our first chat. So, so yeah, I suffer from multiple chronic illnesses, which obviously have a pretty big impact on my mental health. I've been suffering with chronic illness since I was 13 years old. I'm now 33. And we had a chat a couple months ago. And in the couple months since I've spoken to you, actually, a lot has happened. So it'd be good to have a little chat today and talk about things further. Yeah, definitely. And um, how, apart from that, then, you know, you know how, how have you been and how, how, are you, how are you at the moment? Yeah, well, since we last spoke, I managed to have a complete mental breakdown. So that's been pretty tough. But in that time as well, I managed to get help, pull myself together, and I'm in a bit of space again and doing doing well. I'm I'm good again. <laughs> it's amazing how much can happen in really quite a short period of time. Yeah, and for listeners out there, if you go back and listen to a, listen to the podcast, it's a, it's an amazing story, um, an amazing um, thoughts and what she's had to go Lauren's had to what Lauren's had, Lauren has had to go through um for how many years you know you know you said endometriosis and um operations and just all you know all manner of things she's she's and she's still here to tell the tale and like you said she's she's struggled she struggled with mental health and uh, you know I'm sure she's overcome this one because of previous things that have happened to her so it's building it's like almost like a strength for sure strength building I can't say strength building exercise in a sense but it is, so <laughs> but it, is. it is it is it is um, how are things where you are because I've heard that uh, mm. with the, yes I know yeah, I hear that sound mm. you're <laughs> based in Australia so let's just talk about what's happening over there mm-hmm. so we were doing great guns um, as far as the rest of the world was concerned you know, being an island country, and we spoke about this last time, yeah. you know, and having strict quarantine and all the rest of it, we were doing great as far as COVID was concerned. We didn't have too many cases. Things were pretty good for us. And here in Canberra, which is where I live, the capital, uh, we went 12 months without a case. And... <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, we got our first case in over 12 months. And so we have gone into lockdown. And obviously, since that first case, every day since, there's been more cases. So enjoying being in lockdown now, it's, um, yeah, everything is 
pretty eh, at the moment, you know. Um, I don't really complain about it because thankfully for me, not a lot has changed in lockdown because I work from home. I, you know, don't venture out a lot. I don't have this huge, crazy social lifestyle where I'm out, you know, every other night of the week in restaurants and all this sort of stuff. So, you know, not a lot has changed for me, but certainly if this makes sense, the vibe of Canberra has changed a lot and it's sad to see a lot of people struggling and and businesses struggling and all that sort of thing. So it's it's sad to, you know, be experiencing that. Um, what is quite alarming is that Sydney, which is three hour drive away, um, has been in lockdown for a few months now. And um, they yesterday reached over a thousand cases in a day. So <laughs> yeah, not doing well there at all. And um, yeah, it's getting pretty pretty out of control here suddenly so not not great on that front but um you know I'm just rolling with the punches a lot of people are and I mean you just have to keep a positive attitude as far as COVID's concerned because it's not going anywhere and you know we just have to accept this is our new reality and whether you're pro-vaccine or hate vaccines that's not really relevant I don't think I think you just have to accept this is the reality and you know pivot and learn to live with it yeah and when you say um restrictions you, you call it lockdown but I call it restrictions I hate the word lockdown mm. yeah well, okay yeah no you can say I mean this I mean this just, just for, yeah 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 it's just for my fault yeah. because I always think it brings um sort of this, this connotation particularly with people who might struggle with mental health that they're, they're, they're locked in and all that sort of stuff. so what what sort of restrictions are in place there then uh so only essential shopping is open ascent like you know grocery shopping uh all retail outlets are closed all hospitality is closed except for um takeaway options and delivery options um you can only leave your house for essential shopping and for one hour exercise a day so long as it's within a five kilometer radius and also to go to COVID testing vaccines or to the doctor so businesses are closing again oh yeah completely they closed down all bi- all businesses mm, unless they're essential services yeah okay because i'm just now I'm hearing this. Now I'm hearing. This, I mean, I've, I've I've heard that this, this someone's you know it was on something where it said um, was it Australia or New Zealand locked down because of one thing and then all of a sudden it, yeah New Zealand got one case in the whole country and went into lockdown yes yeah which is which is uh, for, for, for just to get the other side I find it a bit strange that if a place was already locked down and there was hardly anyone coming into the country how did they have a case. If you see what I mean. Because they had a travel bubble with Australia. Yeah. So we were able to travel to and from New Zealand. And that was basically, there was no other travel happening to and from New Zealand from other countries. And unless there were diplomats, um, you know, essential getting Australians home from other countries that had been stranded, um, then they had to obviously enter two weeks strict quarantine in quarantine hotels you know that sort of drill somehow the delta variant 
got in to Australia, the quarantine measures evidently did not work, well, that's what, that's, which is comforting. That's, that's, my, <laughs> that's one of my thoughts on it, you see. If you put quarantine on and everybody's, and then you put the quarantine on and everybody comes out negative, how do you get? Well, I think it, from memory, I mean? and my memory is rubbish, I think it actually leaked through um, like security or something like that. Like it was one of the security at the quarantine hotel. Right. Okay. It's just, it's just a strange. Caught it. I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm not. It's saying absurd. I, I think it, it is just, absurd. Yeah, it's a strange thing. If ten people in a room, and then somebody else is going to come in this room, and that person's already been quarantined and has well got a negative test, how do the other people in the room catch it? This thing. Yeah. Well, that's exactly right. Um, but obviously, if the quarantine isn't locked down properly, if you know airtight. And you have, you know, the security watching it. Um, essentially, I think from memory was actually sleeping with a few of the people in the hotel quarantine. Uh, <laughs> things are gonna happen. Yeah, it's just, it's, yeah. I'm, it was I, a I bit just, dubious. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just find the whole thing, uh, you know, strange and. and you know, I just find the thing to do with, you know, that, you know, I've heard of anybody having a cold or flu or anything like that. So that's year and a half. So it just, I just find the whole thing. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm just thinking to myself, how does that happen? Where well, places... as an immunocompromised person, I've always feared the flu. I don't want the flu. If I get the flu, it makes me incredibly unwell. And I've only had it a couple of times in my life. I get the flu jab every year, as I have to. I have to be fully immunised in order to get my biological medication that is an immunosuppressant. That's part of the rules through Medicare. Um, But even so, you know, it doesn't fully cover you against the flu. So I've gotten the flu a couple of times and it makes me incredibly unwell. And the flu is Mm life-threatening for the immunocompromised, the elderly and whatnot. And essentially, it seems as though COVID is much the same situation. Um, for most young, healthy people, it isn't often, and I'm not saying all the time, obviously, because plenty of young, healthy people have been affected, but more often than not, it's a horrendous flu. And it does seemingly really affect the elderly and the vulnerable, etc. Now, being in that group, obviously, I don't want to get it. I am not I am not putting my hand up to go, yeah, I'll give it a go, I'll see what COVID's like. Whereas, you know, so many people I know who aren't immunocompromised or have pre-existing health conditions, they're like, I'm not worried about it, it's just another bad flu. And I'm like, well, that's fine, that's good, but if you give it to me, I'm going to be pretty unimpressed, <laughs> you know, like... I don't know what it will do to me and what it could potentially do to me long term. So I know we will have to live with this. This is just going to be another thing potentially. Like I don't know if it's ever going to be eradicated. Um, It will just become a flu strain, if you will, Um, and it'll probably mutate and carry on forevermore. But it will just be a case of another thing that I have to watch out for like I do the flu. And that always involves, you know, extreme hand hygiene. I've always done that anyway for flu purposes. Not touching my face ever when I'm out in public, you know. Like, it's just always this type of, you know, paranoia around getting sick because it's always going to affect me worse than it affects the average person when I get sick. 
And so when COVID hit and they were like teaching people to wash hands and, you know, make sure you don't touch your face. And I was like, well, this is old news to me. And, um, you know, yeah, it makes you a bit paranoid, but that's how I've had to live my life for, you know, the last 11 years since I got put on a strong biological immunosuppressant for my Crohn's disease um, that's akin to the chemotherapy. And, yeah, it sucks. (laughs) But, you know, you you just have to be really careful around sick people. If someone's, you know, has got a flu, you can't go see them. You have to avoid them. Like, you know... It's, yeah. This is this is the same situation. So, do you think? Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not that paranoid about getting it because, you know, I, I don't go out that much. Yeah. I practice extreme hand hygiene, and you know, it's just the same as I guess me avoiding the flu as I always have done. Yeah, do you think it's amazing? I just listened to you there and, and remember, you know, you know, always kind of. Um, Big up, you big up your podcast because of the things that you've been through, the many things that you've been through. And I'm just wondering, um, don't you think how, how amazing, do you ever think, I mean, I know it's you're the one that's going through the pain, but don't you ever think how amazing the human body is? Because for you to go to have so many different ailments, so many different sickness, and to still be existing, you know. Literally, though. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like when I first meet someone for example, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I have this illness. They're like, oh, that's terrible. I'm like, oh, but it's not as bad as the other illness I have that's XYZ or the time that, you know, this nearly killed me. And they're like, sorry, what? And I'm like, oh, but I have a brain tumour as well. So that was pretty bad. They're like, I'm, I'm sorry, you have that too. Like, And it's not until I actually – and then, I, you know, I'm watching the horror on their face and I actually start to realise, I'm like, yeah, it's all it all sounds pretty bleak, doesn't it? Like I, I'm so used to living in this body that it's like it's been trying to kill me for so many years that I don't really give it much thought. This is just my reality, and it's not until I stop and pause and look at it from you know a fresh set of eyes, yeah. <laughs> looking at me with sheer horror yeah. and pity, that I'm like, it's okay, it's okay. I know it sounds really bad, but. I'm doing okay, you know, like it really is quite astounding that I've been able to adapt <laughs> to this because like any one of these conditions for most people is life-changing and debilitating. To put them all together is just really quite a lot. It is quite a lot. Yeah, that kind of reminded me of, uh, what, was that, what was that film called um, with Mel Gibson? What's that film called, the famous one? Well, he's a cop, and, he's, and he's talking to the, the um, lethal weapon. Yeah, lethal weapon. And he's talking to the, the lady, mm-hmm. and they're and they're showing each other's. Um, my gun wound was here, and then this this shot. Then someone shot me here, <laughs> and, and it's like a. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it, it's like I say, the human body is amazing, and how yeah, but also, it really is. But also how when they say we're all the same, we're all flesh and blood and blah 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 but bottom line is what can if you have you and then somebody else um, with the same um, sicknesses and ailments how it could affect one person differently from the other oh 100% yeah we're all homo sapien that's fairly accurate (laughs) but um, how it affects one person to the next can be so different so so different it's yeah it's 
it's a different kettle of fish. It's it's hard to compare a lot of the time. And it's yeah, you can you can talk to people who have the same illness as you, and it's really nice to go. Oh yes, me too. Like I feel that yes. But a lot of the time it'll be like no, well that's different for me because of genetics or because of the environment that you've grown up in and because of the foods you eat. Like there's so many variables. So yeah, yeah no, it's it's it really is hard to compare yourself to someone else and especially yeah when you're a complex medical case that has other factors due to other illnesses and then throw in mental health issues and you've got a whole nother you know realm of issues to talk about yeah yeah and before we go and talk about what you know for the last things that have been happening for the last few weeks and yeah months we've been yeah. speaking what What's the mood like in Australia? I know things are people really angry now because they've gone second. You know what? What's what's the mood like? I mean, you, obviously not going to speak. Most to people are quite angry. I would say um, Canberra is different in that this is the obviously where government is. Most people are employed by government. Um, they're quite a compliant population. And so here, everyone's quite like, you know, let's all just do our bit. Let's listen to what we're being told. Let's stay home. Let's get this over with, you know. Mm. Whereas elsewhere, people are getting really angry. They don't want to be in lockdown. There's been mass protests, which have then caused greater numbers in cases because people are out protesting without masks. And so then that's caused greater anger from people who have stayed home and everyone's become really quite bitter and angry, which is really sad. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's, it's not a nice vibe at the moment, honestly. A lot of angry people. Yeah, and and in in some cases you could probably, it's probably understandable. For, yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I totally get it. Yeah, there's people with illnesses and they might get this and that, but you can see the other side as well. Where um, oh, I can see both sides. Yeah, I can if, see both sides. Yeah, if, if someone's, you know, if I think one of the things I've, I've one of the things I did here is that if if people and it's from you know from this is from people who who are in the public eye that if people are going to and it might sound flippant, but if people are going to let people get on with their lives and if people are going to get it, they'll get it and let people take their own lives. Not take their own lives, but take their own lives in their own hands, <laughs> if you see what I mean. Yeah. Just get on with I their I think lives. the problem is, is that, especially in large cities where there's people on top of each other, <clears throat> obviously is that issue of transmission to the vulnerable, babies, pregnant women, the elderly and the sick. Um, when they're unable to protect themselves. It's it's difficult. It's a tough one in that regard, um, especially when you're dealing with, you know, huge numbers at any one time as opposed to the flu where it's, you know, more spread out. Um, but at the same time, I get their anger and their frustration. I just wish personally that they would protest in a different way, that they would organise and perhaps, you know, lobby to the government in a more effective way that doesn't cause such a public health risk. And that's coming from someone who 
goes, well, this is something that can kill me personally. So, I mean, that may come across as selfish to people who participated in the protest. And I mean, yeah, okay. I may be selfish, but I do not want to die from this thing. <laughs> I do not. So, yeah, I just I just wish that they, they would, yeah, arrange a protest yeah. in an organised fashion, lobby the government, get what they need and want, um, like businesses reopening in a way that works with this current climate um, without endangering people. Because yeah. I agree with a lot of what they're saying. You know, why is Louis Vuitton open but the hairdresser's closed? There are ways to, you know, work in certain businesses using safety measures. Um, Louis Vuitton is not an essential service. That's outrageous. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm going to I'm going to stick my neck out, and I've I've done it. I've kept doing it. Keep doing it. There's a reason for that. I'm not. I think there's obviously monetary reason. I, I just think the whole thing. I think a lot of this now is coming to. I mean, like. I I went to the UK. I went to Romania first and the UK, and yeah. I had to take four tests in nine days, which was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, just to be. Fun for you. Do, do you know what I mean? Just to be in the, <laughs> yeah, it's just to be in the country. I'm already, uh, you know, yeah. I'm already fully vaccinated, so I'm not saying that. Yeah. But I'm. It just seemed a bit much, and then to come back in, um, I've had to take two more tests, and you think, oh come on. Um, so it's. it's we'll see my. My impression was that we get vaccinated, we can travel, we can do things, we can move about freely. So that's been disappointing. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. And so even living in the UK, where the, the NHS, which is the health service there, yeah, if you yeah. you cannot go to the NHS to take a test to travel, and you think, what's that? Oh, I know why, because it's free. Mm. So all the yeah. I've had is I've had to pay for, and it's come to like 600 hundred pound or six hundred. You could say euros. Mm. So it's mm-hmm. it seems that there's now there's a there's a sinister twist to it in terms of what's been money making from it. Yeah, so it's a big thing. So anyway, um, big yeah, farmer will never lose an opportunity. We know this. They <laughs> <laughs> will yeah. never miss an opportunity to to squeeze a few dollars out of every single individual never you don't have to tell a sick person that we know all too well (laughs) (laughs) god forbid let's let's talk about your what you you know since we last spoke and and you know um you know when you when you when you mess and i messaged you and you said oh you've been in a bad place and things like that Um, yeah so Let's let's talk about what's been happening with you and, and how it built up to you breaking. <sighs> yeah, so um, you know, I, for the last eighteen months, I had been you know quite unwell, have been quite unwell, with my Crohn's and endometriosis flaring, 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 and due to COVID everything's due to COVID at the moment. Um, it's just been very, very difficult for me to see my specialists and get, you know, things in place to get, you know, any real resolutions in place for these flares that I'm having and to get to the bottom of it. You know, usually this type of thing would be sorted within a matter of months, not 
18 months. And so, you know, it's really taking its toll on me physically and mentally, just going around this endless merry-go-round of tests and back and forth, back and forth, and not getting anywhere because, oh, sorry, you know, you can't have an appointment now because of COVID. Oh, no, six months has passed, so you have to have that test again. And, like, you know, it's just never-ending. And, you know, I could feel my mental health slipping and the anxiety and stress around it and the medical PTSD being constantly triggered and obviously falling into depression as well because you just feel so helpless and so out of control and so sad and so angry and so frustrated. Anyways, um, my psychiatrist... um, back 18 months ago whatever when I first wanted to touch base with him he's in Sydney because no psychiatrists in Canberra have their books open anymore they're not taking patients I started seeing him a few years ago up in Sydney I called him to make an appointment and he said I'm sorry I'm not taking new patients my books are closed I said yeah um, I'm an existing patient he's like I'm sorry I'm not going to be seeing you anymore and I was like oh oh okay that's that's fabulous. You're just dropping me then. Great. Love that for me. So that was really strange and frustrating because, like, you know, it's not easy to get into a psychiatrist. And so I was like, oh, whatever, forget it. Forget it. I can't be bothered with that. Not going to bother. Whatever. It doesn't matter. And so I just left it. And then sort of six months ago I thought, no, I need to get onto this because, you know, I need to revisit my meds and, you know, have them coordinate my care on the mental health side of things. Anyway, once again, due to there being none in Canberra, I called around Sydney and found one in Sydney that I could get into, but it was a six-month wait. And so I was like, right, get on the wait list then and wait for my appointment to come up. And so I was really holding out for that, obviously, because throughout this time, I'm not getting better. I'm not staying the same. I'm getting slowly, slowly worse. But I'm hot worst, worse. <laughs> but I'm holding out for this appointment, you know, like I just have to hang out for this appointment. Then, you know, things will get sorted then. He'll sort me out. Everything's going to be okay once I get in to see him. A week before the appointment, I get a message saying, sorry, no, you can't have the appointment. Sydney's in lockdown. He doesn't do Zoom or telehealth, so you can't have the appointment. I was devastated. I just could not believe it. I was like, no. I'd even made an Instagram post as I try to be very, very um, transparent with my followers. Yeah and talk about all elements of my health, telling them that I'm not okay, I am struggling, but on the upside, soon, just a few more days, I will get to see a psychiatrist and we will get this, you know, this thing going again. (laughs) You know, I will get there. So to have that happen, I was like, so many hopes were pinned on this and I was just like, you are kidding me. So I called them and I was literally like, begging them on the phone no please I have to see him I've been waiting months I'm not okay and I was telling them this I am not okay I need help 
and they were like, no, sorry, nothing can be done. And I just found this astounding that in this current climate with COVID, with, you know, so many people not being able to see doctors face to face and all the rest of it, so many of my doctors have moved to telehealth and Zoom and whatever, that someone in the mental health sector where people are needing help more than ever, they're saying, no, sorry, not a thing. And they said it was because the AMA don't allow it, that it's actually not allowed to have an initial consult via phone or Zoom. Now, I actually haven't followed up to find out if that is true, but if it is, that needs to change ASAP because that is so unacceptable in this current situation. I can't even begin to go on about how unhelpful that is for, you know, the amount of people that are suffering with mental health problems, including children younger than ever, you know, struggling at the moment due to COVID and whatnot. Anyway, I just fell to pieces. I just, that was it. Like, uh, that was the breaking point for me. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. I just completely broke down. Like, I, my nervous system just went. I just, my whole body felt like concrete. I couldn't barely move. I just shut down. I, like, disassociated. Like, I just couldn't be in my own mind at that time. I was just completely devastated. I I bawled my eyes out for a bit, and then even that was too hard. Like, my brain was like, nope, I'm not even doing this. I'm not a big crier. I can't cry a lot of the time. Um, I think due to everything I've been through, if I cried every time I was sad or hurt or whatever, I'd just, (laughs) it'd all be too much. So, no, we're not doing that. And so, like, I just, I just literally laid there on the lounge and was just like, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. This is useless. Like, I can't get in to see my specialists. They can't help me because of COVID. I can't get into a psychiatrist to help me with my mental health because of COVID. I feel like I'm losing my mind. I can't continue like this. Like, I don't want to live anymore. I can't live in this body that doesn't serve me and my mind is broken and no one will help me like I can't do this and obviously my family were extremely concerned for me because I just went to rock bottom now I didn't want to hurt myself Um, I wasn't you know saying that's it I'm going to you know end it all But by the same token, I didn't want to live. I was like, you know, hopefully I'll just go to sleep and not wake up again. Like, you know, it's not that great to, like, you know, not wanting to kill yourself is horrible, but also not wanting to live isn't that great of an improvement upon that either. Um, But unfortunately, my not wanting to kill myself meant that no one would help me as in no one in the mental health sector. Because I wasn't a risk to myself, no one would help me. So we had the crisis team come to my house and assess me, and they commented on what a lovely home we have. 
and how nice it is that I have a supportive family. And basically we're like, good then, they can look after you. And it's like, well, how unfair is that, that it's left up to my family to support me through this? Like, I'm completely broken. I'm having panic attacks left and right. I don't want to live anymore. And my GP is saying, you need to be hospitalised. I need to stipulate this. My GP, you know, I went to my GP and he said, you you need to be in hospital. You need to be in a facility. You are too unwell not to be. And this is a very trusted GP. Um, You know, he's one of the very few doctors I know that I have complete faith in. And he gave me a very stern talking to for like half an hour in which he was like, I know that you hate hospitals. He won't ever send me to hospital unless he knows I need to be there. And he gave me a stern talking to in which he was like, you need to be in hospital. You need to be in a psych ward. You know, there is no other option right now. You are not well. And for him to talk to me like that, I was like, oh, crap. He's obviously very concerned for me. And, you know, my family also, you know, saying the same thing. I was like, okay, accept this. I accept that this is the case. But the hospitals wouldn't take me because my family are good people who have their lives together. You know, they they literally came to assess me, but little did I know they were actually assessing Assessing, my family as well and judging them. And because, you know, my parents aren't alcoholics or they're not, you know, whatever, it was like, oh, no, they can take her. They'll be right. They can look after her. You can imagine the stress this puts on a family. But no, no, she'll be right, you know. And it was just so disheartening. I'm like, they're not psychologists. They're not psychiatrists. They can't fix my meds. They can't, (laughs) you know, like, what the hell is this? And I have private health insurance, so... I can go to the private hospital, except that it's 25 beds and there are 60 people on the wait list. So I got a referral across to them, but how long would that take? How long would I have to wait to actually get a bed to come up? So that was just soul destroying. I'm like, I don't know if I can wait that long. Like how bad am I gonna get whilst I wait to actually get in there? And all the while, let me add, my physical health was suffering due to my mental health being so horrific. I was collapsing. Like, I'd have times when I'd just collapse and just fall on the floor like a rag doll and I couldn't get up. My, you know, my brother would have to come because, you know, he's a strong guy and pull me up off the floor because my body would stop working. I'd become so weak because it had just shut down because, you know, my mind was, like, protecting me from itself. It just go into complete limp mode, you know? Like, no, not doing this anymore. It's all too hard. I'm out, you know? And then I'd have times where just extreme pain, like, you know, my nervous system would just go in, like, a heightened sense of pain um, from the, the mental pain I was suffering from, which just manifest as physical and nausea and migraines and just all this awful pain and sickness was just amplified due to the mental state that I was suffering. It was just horrific. And then one of mum's friends actually suggested looking into a fully private 
uh, facility. Yeah. Now, I didn't even know such a thing existed. I'd never heard of it. They're not in Canberra. And I didn't know anyone who'd ever been to one before. And so, Mum was looking at this place online and it just looked amazing. It was in Byron Bay, which is up on north of Sydney. And <laughs> it was like $35,000. And I don't have that money. <laughs> I don't know if you have that laying around, but I don't. And most people I know don't, especially sick people, because being sick is an expensive gig. Like, it all adds as we up. Spoke, as we spoke last it was a big farm. <laughs> yeah, 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 they take our money. <laughs> so I was like, that's great and all, but, uh, and like, my parents don't have that kind of money. Like, we're like middle class. We do okay, but we don't have just like money bags laying around. Like, oh no. And like, my parents helped me out considerably with my medical bills and stuff. So I was like, holy hell, like, this looks amazing, but like, what the actual hell? Like, why did you look at this? Like, now you've just taunted me with this. Oh, look at this tremendous facility that you'll never go to. Anyway, so she's like, let me just call them and see, like, who they are and what they're about. I'm like, you do that. (laughs) Anyway, they said that they could offer me a bed immediately and that they would do a partial sponsorship um, because they were, you know, almost empty and, you know, they often do this for people who can't afford it. And, you know, if I could come up with, you know, half the funds, that they would accept me immediately. And I was like, holy crap, that's pretty amazing. But I also don't have half the funds. <laughs> like, you know, may as well just come up with all the funds. Like, I don't have half the funds either. Um, and literally got off the phone. It was a Friday afternoon. Literally got off the phone and within five minutes just went, stop it and jump on the GoFundMe page. Now, I never in a million years thought that I would start a GoFundMe because it's just so icky to me asking for help. Me asking for help is just not a thing. Like, I struggle to even ask my parents for help when I'm feeling unwell. Like, hey, can you please, you know, come and bring me my medicine? You know, like that type of thing. Like, I literally wait until I'm absolutely in a horrific state before I can even do that. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, that's how bad I am at asking for help. I just hate it. I just struggle with it beyond, beyond a ridiculous point. Do you, th- do you think that's down so to guilt? So doing that. Do you think that's down to guilt or a mixture of guilt and being so self-sufficient that you want to want to do it yourself, even though you're... Oh, it's not sick. self-sufficiency. No, no, I'm, I'm pretty useless. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean it's useless. That's a horrible thing to say about myself. No, like, I, it's it's guilt. I don't want to feel like a burden. Yeah, yeah. Um, so many of us with, you know, both mental and physical illnesses, we feel like a burden and it's a horrible feeling. And so you just don't like asking for help because so often you need help. Um, in greater times, like when you've had an operation, for example, or you've been hospitalised for mental illness. And at those times, you need that help. That's not optional. And it's like almost cashing in your chips, do you know what I mean? So you're saving them. You're saving them up. You don't want to cash in a chip for something minor. And so, you know, that feeling like a burden, it, it weighs heavy on your soul. And so many people I know are exactly the same way 
that are unwell and we, we don't like asking for help. I mean, many well people don't like asking for help. It's 10 times worse when you're unwell because you have to ask for help so often. And it's just so, it, it just makes you feel so worthless and it's horrible. And I know, I know that people don't mind helping. More often than not, they want to help. They want to know how to, you know, make your life easier. But for God's sake, we can't do it. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you know, we're, we're, we're sabotaging ourselves, not asking for help, but we do it all the time. Anyway, so... Here I am going, I'm doing this. I have to do it. I need help. I can't get help. I'm going to probably end up dead before I get the help that I need. So here we are. I either start a GoFundMe and see how it goes or I potentially wind up dead. Like that's literally where we're at at this point. So bloody let's give it a go, why don't we? So I started the GoFundMe and I just was really, really honest, shared exactly what had happened about my breakdown, why it had happened, about this place in Byron, that, you know, what the facility was like, the fact they'd offered me beds, like, you know, just very, very honest about the situation. And that's hard to open up that much to strangers, um, telling them about your mental health, because mental health, massive stigma, doesn't feel good to talk so openly about it into an abyss, no less. Like, you're not talking to even a person, in, you know, a stranger that you've met in the street in person about you. It's literally into an abyss. Who the hell's going to read this? You know, this is public. This is, you know, completely public for anyone to read. But I'm like, no, no, I have to do this. This is my only my only chance of getting well. And I set it up. I shared it to my Instagram and, you know, my Instagram stories as well and asked if my friends and followers would be kind enough to also share it. If they couldn't donate, that was totally fine. But if they could, you know, share it and get the word around, then that would be amazing as well. And it, the response I received was honestly amazing. Like, I was so taken aback. I did not expect it to be the success that it was. I thought maybe, 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 maybe I'd get some money and then I would, maybe I have to go to the bank and apply for a loan and then I was stressing out about how, how would I pay that back? You know, like I, I didn't know how this was going to look. Because like I said, it was a split decision I made within five minutes of getting off the phone from from that facility in Byron. But it was so, so beautiful to feel that supported and that loved was just incredible, honestly. I met my goal and I was just... The messages I received from people, the donations I received from complete strangers. Like, it wasn't even just people I knew. It was people I didn't know yeah. that, you know, sent me messages saying, I feel bad for you. I know how bad the mental health system is. And, you know, it shouldn't be this way. It was just so heartwarming. I just, I mean, I've donated to GoFundMe's of you. 
No, I know. I've never, I've never even thought about it because I've heard of God go for me, but when I've kind of clicked on someone's story, it's something to do with go for me. I just thought it was these things to do with tech startups or you know, told me. Oh, you haven't seen one for that type of thing. Yeah, I've yeah, I've seen... done before. I've I've seen them and I'm like, oh, that's terrible. Here's twenty dollars. You know, like I've not ever gone. Here's five hundred dollars. You know, like oh, I don't have that kind of money to just throw at people, but. You know, certainly I've given $5, $20, $30, you know, whatever I have at the time. And I have indeed given to complete strangers because I've just read their story and thought, oh, my God, that's terrible. Those poor people. I never thought I'd be on the other end of that. Yeah. And now having been on the other end of that, I know what a difference that makes. And so if anyone listening to this ever sees a GoFundMe and thinks, oh, I only have $5 or I only have $20, don't think that that doesn't make a huge difference because it really does. Like those small donations, honestly, they all add up to, you know, a great deal in the long run and can be the difference between, you know, someone getting to where they need to go and talk about, you know, the human community and just the human spirit coming together in those times of need. Oh my God. So many times I've been so bitter and bleak about, you know, people not caring and about feeling so alone. Well, this just changed everything. And, you know, so many people tell me how toxic social media is and all this other stuff. And it's like, oh, no, 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 this is this is what it's about. You know, I've met you through social media. I was (laughs) going to say it's a strange world. And like you said, you met me through social media and we've We've, yeah. Yeah, this is our second time we're talking. Like, what wonderful work you're doing. Yeah, and, and, and you're, you know, this is part of it. Yeah, and the reason why, and, and the reason know, why, yeah. reason why, sorry, to, sorry, to cut in there because no, go for it. What, when you're speaking like that, and obviously I didn't, you know, like I just said, I didn't, I thought GoFundMe pages were people like tech startups or whatever, for the case, <laughs> you know, things like that. And when you when you start to look at it like that, and we often. When I said to you I started the podcast and I started it when we looked at what was happening at the start of the last year when it it wasn't actually the start but when everything kicked in with the start of the pandemic and people fighting over toilet rolls there's obviously I always I like the word love and I always and I believe in love no matter what's happened to me or whoever else in life there's this, this thing is powerful. This word love is powerful, and it just goes to show. Yes. That even though we we look at that side where people fight each other and and violence or whatever it may be, or people fight over toilet rolls, which is probably non-violence in a sense, or, or whatever you want. It's to say. just very alarming, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> but then when you see the other side, it's not until you you hear of it or you're in it that you realise how there is. There's, there's obviously a different side to humans. There's obviously that love and affectionate side to humans, which is which there uh-huh. needs to be. Um, there's not this ruthless world out there that we often think there is when we're down yeah. or upset. Yes, for people exactly. That listening, for people that are listening to to you and, and, and um, on this podcast um, and this episode, is it just goes to show that there are people out there. I'm not saying people should go out there and start sitting and go for me page for anything. But <laughs> just stop panhandling, yeah. Yeah, it just goes to show <laughs> that there's people. There's one. There's there's money out there. Obviously, there's obviously money out there. But obviously, there's. But what comes with that is people's um, yeah generosity. And generosity. Um, and we often 
don't see that. It's not something we see because we don't hear about it. So now this is mm. this is a, actually a good, maybe a, a, a turning point. This could be a turning point for a lot of people out there. And also they get I hope to, so. Yeah, and also they get to hear about some of the things that, like, some people didn't know, you know, about Crohn's disease, or they don't know about endometriosis, or they don't know mm. about this, and and so it's getting that message out there that there are people out there struggling with these things to the point where they might be suicidal or some people uh-huh. might have committed suicide and, and we, they might have needed our help. So this is an important message in a sense of yeah. there's, there's people out you there. You are never alone. That, that much I can tell you because, you know, I wasn't alone in the sense I had my family and my friends around me, but I felt so alone in the fact that I had no practical help. I had nowhere to actually turn to for help. And then that happened. And it goes to show you that you are not alone. If you need help, you can find it. You just have to know sometimes where to look. And I'm not just saying, yeah, everyone started GoFundMe. It's not necessarily financial. Sometimes you just need to know where to look to find that help that you need. And it just restores so much faith in me that, yeah, if you need help there are ways to find it there are ways to get it and oh my gosh it just makes me feel so blessed and so loved and supported that just so many people came to my help when I needed it so much but um I was gonna say something else when it was time to leave yes go on say something else as well just just then when you mentioned that it's sometimes it's not even just about them giving Yes, they give the money, but sometimes for you, it's the, and, and it might bring tears to your eyes or, you know, anybody's eyes, that it's, sometimes it's the words that they say with the, when they're sending the... Yes, they're sending, yes, the support. I don't mean the monetary support, the actual emotional support that they gave me was invaluable. Yeah, for sure. It was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. But, um... Yeah, so on with the story. When it came time, I had I had my monies. I was feeling ready. I was like, look at me. I'm unstoppable. I'm going to get the help I need. Um, the place pulled out on me and said, no. They just reneged and said, we, we can't offer you a spot anymore. You're too basically medically complex. I was like, oh, oh, good. Another door slammed in my face when I needed the help. They offered me a place and then reneged on me. Like, it was just, I'm like, but I got the money. You told me to get the money. I got the money in a ridiculously short time frame. I started to go fund me. Like, what the hell are you talking about? And I'm like, yeah, no, I just don't think we can support your medical needs and all that. I was like, great, thank you. Yeah, that's, that's fabulous. Love that for me. But um, rather than just absolutely go off the deep end and just, fall to bits because I had the support of so many people behind me I immediately started looking for somewhere similar to this place I'm like well if there's that place there's going to be others similar because I didn't know that this existed before like I said and I found another place on the Gold Coast hinterlands in Queensland that offered basically the same program that they did so I was like right I'll call them and I spoke to the guy who ran that joint and immediately clicked with him. He was lovely and he's like, right, I can take you this week. And I was like, really, how soon? He's like, as soon as you can get up here. 
a flight, come. I'm like, rightio then. So, booked a flight, got up there immediately, and he picked me up from the airport, and from the minute I got there, he just treated me wonderfully. Like, it was completely different from being in a psych hospital. It was like, you can't compare the two. I'm so blessed to have had the opportunity to go there. And sadly, it was only because I couldn't get in a psych hospital. It wasn't like I was being, oh, la di da, I don't want to go to a psych hospital. I was literally begging them to take me. But um, yeah, it was just amazing. It was on this beautiful, um, large property. I had my own big room with a walk-in wardrobe and an ensuite. It was just lovely. We had our own chef. It was very bougie, I have to say. And, you know, it was intense therapy, obviously. A lot of trauma to unpack. And a lot of that was, yeah, like you said, you know, pick that scab, get it unpicked and get get it all raw and exposed and um, and then put salt in it, clean it out. You know, as painful as it is to put salt in the wound, it has to clean it out. And um, that's what the place is called, salt. So, um, yeah, it was hard work. It wasn't fun, um, a lot of that, but it's some of the best therapy I've ever had. And I achieved more there in a short period of time than I had many, many years of therapy. Um, I've come back so much stronger and more positive for the future than I have been in so many years I can't even remember and it's just due to that amazing therapy I was given but also after this intensive therapy where you cry and you just feel like exhausted from the therapy it's like oh my god then they give you a 90 minute massage or you go and have an infrared sauna an acupuncture and yoga and meditation like all one-on-one of course you don't want to you know be doing all this group nonsense oh my god it was so luxe (laughs) (laughs) i felt like i was just like you'd never want to leave really honestly it's just quite amazing but um oh what a place like seriously i wish anyone you know struggling with mental health could have the opportunity to go to a place like this but um I feel so blessed that, you know, so many people got me up there to help me because, yeah, I've come back a new woman. But, um, yeah, obviously I still have a lot of work to do. But what it has done is built me back up and given me a strong foundation to build on again because um, for those who didn't listen to the previous podcast, I had suffered a breakdown a few years ago back in 2013 and um, so this isn't my first rodeo but that was you know related to different things almost you know there were a few different things at play then and um, you know these things are ongoing it's not like you have a breakdown you get fixed and then you're like cool all right that's me done I'm sorted now no 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 (laughs) it's ongoing like these things are ongoing and you're constantly working at them and if you don't work at them you slip and so you know this is always going to be ongoing for me and I have work to do and if I don't you know continue working at this then 
you know, I'm likely just to fall down that hole again. But um, unfortunately, like I said, I, I fell down this hole this time, not for lack of trying to get the help I needed, yeah, yeah. Um, which is what I'm really upset about and I want to draw attention to um, in Canberra is the, the lack of help there is available to people with mental health issues because this can't continue like this and I'm really upset and angry about it. Yeah. You know, if you, if you want help, it's not there. You can't get it. Yeah, and this is something. This is something that needs to come to the fore now. Yes, there's this pandemic, and oh, you know, there's there's been a pandemic or whatever it is, and these restrictions and this that and the other. But the mm. bottom line is, again, and I'm, I don't want to sound mean or callous. People have died from now we know that people not, yeah. not there's been not now we know because we know people die from flu, but now we know there's been thousands every year, thousands and thousands around the world die even in your own country may die from the flu or yeah. do die from the flu yeah. whether, it's, whether it's Christmas time where a lot of older people die because um, one they're on their own because of the heating bills or whatever it may be whatever country you're living in and then feeling alone and all these other things but the bottom line is yeah. now more than ever we need there's people needing help for mental health yeah because as that is a hundred percent and as we can see, mental, mental. We're talking about mental health and physical health. Everything, everything that consumes our, as us as humans, and you can clearly see that mental health has an impact on our physical health and vice versa. Yes. Um, because when our head's not in the right place, our body doesn't function, and when our body's not in the right place, our head um, starts to struggle. So they're both connected we often separate the two but they're not it's, it's yeah no it's, it's, it's a complete relationship yeah and even when you said then it's funny how things turn out when you when you still keep going because you were if you took it in a positive sense the first hospital um turned around and said no and when you look at that that was a blessing in disguise because you end up in a yeah and also they didn't take your money and then yeah do you know what I mean? They didn't take your money and then say, come in and then do a bad job. They actually, in a sense, yeah. they were honest and said, you know what, we can't deal with this situation. Um, better than yeah. left to something else. And we're not going to take your money for that. So you were able to go on to, um, and you got a, had a, a great rapport from the moment you were on the phone and the person you met. Uh-huh. And then from then on, it uh-huh. was on when it was, and it seems like now you're on that, onwards and upwards kind of you know yes we're gonna have hiccups and you're gonna have hiccups but you know you're on that uh incline is it incline yeah 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 up a trajectory yeah. yeah so um it's it's you know for anybody listening out there the if, if you are struggling there are people out there to help you yes um obviously there's things like GoFundMe and things like that but there's obviously there's more than that there's people out there that will be willing to help and people who want to know your story absolutely 100% get it out there scream bloody murder if you have to jump up and down make noise do what you need to do because it's hard at the moment Uh, it's, it's not sugar coated it's not easy this is uncertain difficult times but there will there will be people that care and there will be ways to get help so it, you just need to make it known, basically. Yeah, there will be people there to help you. Definitely. 
Um, and what's 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 life looking like for you now in the next few weeks, next two couple? Of, I mean, obviously, <laughs> it's looking pretty uneventful. <laughs> yeah, Let's be honest. Um, are you still are you still working? Are you still are you, you know what? You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I'm still doing my thing, and um, I'm just in lockdown. Like I just I can't really do a whole lot. I can't you know have my friends over for dinner. I can't do stuff like that. You know, like that's that's unfortunate because I went away and came home to lockdown. So um, you know, I would have liked to have come home and been able to see the people at least the ones close to me who help get me up there and you know I missed everyone but unfortunately I haven't been able to do that so but I mean I'm positive and I'm grateful for my situation and you know there there are so many horrific things happening in the world and you know I I'm not going to sit and dwell on the fact that I'm in lockdown it's pretty minor in the scheme things so I, I don't really care that much if I'm honest like I just want to stay safe and healthy and you know keep carrying on like it's not that big of a deal um I'm, I'm very blessed to be living in a in a safe place really yeah. I'm not living in Kabul you know so yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's been um, great listening to you and, and, and having a chat and um, you know, I hope you you know, just keep going on that positive trajectory, and yes, like I say, we're always going. Absolutely. To, yeah, we're going to have you know setbacks and things like that. We've got bottom line is, if you can keep that positivity, you you know you you, you spoke about wanting to not be here and thingy, but you do want to be here because mm-hmm. clearly that's that's you, that's your goal. Your goal is to keep living and and even now to get your message out there about so many different things. So I'd like to thank you for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me back. I really appreciate it. I'm glad that I was able to shed light on the fact that, yeah, I am a positive person 90% of the time. But despite that, there are hiccups, like you said. And, you know, anyone out there listening, you're not alone when those hiccups happen. You're not a disappointment if you feel like you, you know, have those hiccups. And, you know, we all have them. So speak up people will listen people will support you and just keep going fall down brush yourself off get back up keep going but yeah thank you so much for having me on the show Andrew I really appreciate it it's always good talking to you and that was men on us speak to you soon